0: It's the weekend,
1: so relax and listen to some stories the whole family can enjoy. That's right, it's the Saturday Story Circle here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences.
0: And now, a faux fiction audio production published by Not a Pipe Publishing. Super Guy by Kurt Clopton. Super Guy, the generic alternative. Less superhero hype, same superhero quality.
2: Chapter 11 Oliver pulled his official city government for Taurus into his newly assigned space in the underground parking structure, and shut off the engine. Initially, he had been disappointed upon hearing his cool superhero car was actually just a, well, regular car, but it was still better than his Omni in myriad ways. His only real gripe with the Taurus was that it was white, which was a pain to keep clean, but it did fit with the generic theme, so it made sense. Roger was waiting beside the next car, having arranged to meet Oliver so they could go to the press conference together.
3: Okay, here is one thing I don't get. You, the superhero, get your own space near the stairs like the other big hitters. But you're also the guy who could run from your apartment to here faster than I can walk from the far side of the garage.
4: Seems a bit unfair, doesn't it? Not to mention silly. So... With all the benefits of this whole superhero thing, like the strength, the speed, the invulnerability, the hair, especially the hair. It's the parking spot you're jealous of? Said Oliver as he dropped his keys into
2: the pocket of his long
4: black raincoat.
2: It wasn't raining today, but Oliver felt a little too weird walking around in his costume.
3: Yeah, pretty much the parking. That and the fact you no longer have to exercise. For us non-superheroes, that sucks. I will probably curse your name every time I run up and down a basketball court from now on. Not to mention when I skip dessert. Yeah, can't blame you,
2: said Oliver with a shrug. He grabbed his gloves and mask out of the car and shut the door. Wow, look at you. You're huge. Roger had left town the previous Friday morning to attend a family event over the weekend he couldn't get out of, which caused him to miss the days where Oliver's growth really jumped.
4: What are you, six five, six six now? It's 6'7", last I checked, about 2.45 or so. Bizarre, isn't it? Nothing but. That's like 7
3: inches and 70 pounds in 3 days. Amazing. And the hair. Check out the hair. That's definitely superhero quality. Said Roger.
2: Oliver's hair was a thick, shiny blonde, and perfectly styled, as if he had just walked out of a salon.
4: Yeah, and I don't even have to wash it. It's actually less maintenance than that shaved head of yours. Mm, must be rough. Roger shook
2: his head in wonder, and then gestured at Oliver's chest. Hey, let's see it. Oliver opened the raincoat to reveal his costume. The first time he had tried it on was the night he had gotten his box from Emma. That was before he had gained all the height and weight he now had, so it had hung loosely on his body then. Now was a very different story after Oliver had filled out. The black and white costume was perfectly snug, to a fault in Oliver's opinion. Uh,
4: I feel like I'm flashing someone,
3: said Oliver, with a bit of a groan in his voice. Well, cripes, you practically are. Doesn't leave much to the imagination, does it?
5: Am I interrupting something?
3: Oliver
2: jumped at the sound of the new voice. Although both his jump and the reflexive closing of his raincoat were too fast for anyone to see... Even Roger, who was looking right at him as it happened. Emma walked up from behind Oliver.
5: Sorry, I couldn't resist when I saw you whip open the raincoat. Made me think they got the name wrong and your real superpower is flashing people.
2: No problem, said Oliver, choosing to keep things civil despite his embarrassment,
4: at least until his next sentence. Roger, this is the hostile woman I was telling you about from Human Resources, Emma Sims. Miss Sims, this is Roger Allen. He's a computer IT guy here.
5: I don't need the crap
4: said Emma, the hostile smile making
3: a brief appearance.
5: Nice to meet you. How did you get screwed into helping with the Frankenstein project?
3: Well, I guess you could say I'm a volunteer. Just a lover of horror stories.
5: Oh. Must be nice to have the extra time. I could be working right now except I have to be here, for this press conference.
4: See what I was saying? Nicest girl you ever met, except for mostly having gone over to the dark side. Why doesn't the whole superhero charisma thing work on her? That's not really what it's designed for. It's more for the
3: general public on a large scale. Sort of a good first impression thing. I mean, if you end up sucking as a superhero, the public isn't just going to keep loving you. There'll be hate mail or email or tweets, whatever type of communication comes along next. But with hate. Oh, great. You can budget for some powers of influence, though. There's mind control or stuff like intimidation or fear. Those can make some bad guys just take off and run. But I think flying and maybe blasting the crap out of someone with an energy bolt from your eyes would be much more personally rewarding abilities to have. Or a cool car.
4: Yeah, a cool car. Said
2: Oliver, glancing at the Taurus.
5: Um, I'm sorry to interrupt the whining session about all of the things you lack as a superhero, but we should probably get going.
3: Not yet. He nodded at Oliver. You gotta lose the raincoat and put on the gloves and mask. I will,
2: said Oliver, nodding in the direction of the front of the city government office building, meaning that he'd do it there.
3: No, you've got to do it now. It's the law. You have to be in full costume when you're on the streets as a hero, remember? That's all the time, even for a public event like this. Not just when you're fighting the bad guys. You should have had it all on during the drive over. You don't have to wear it all the time. But when you're not, you can't do anything superheroish, Which, since that's what you're programmed to do now, might be impossible for you to resist. Best to just always be in costume in public. And probably most of the other time,
4: too.
5: He's right. I haven't been able to cover all the stuff I have to read about your position, but I read that. We can't have anyone suing us because you aren't wearing your jammies.
4: But what could possibly happen between here and the front of the building?
5: Who knows, but something could, and if you acted on it, we could get in trouble.
4: Yeah, you've just got to get used to it. Oliver looked back and
2: forth between them and shrugged. He pulled his keys out of his pocket and handed them to Roger, along with his mask and gloves. Then he took off his raincoat and tossed it inside his car. Taking his mask back from Roger, he put it on. Made of what seemed like a metallic fabric, it was a slightly shiny black and made in a style that only covered his eyes leaving his nice head of hair free to be appreciated. The mask was molded to fit the contours of his face and had an elastic section in the back that kept it snugly in place. He slipped on his gloves next, which were also made of the same shiny black material. That black was repeated in the boots Oliver wore, as well as the slightly raised pattern of the barcode stretching across his muscular chest. After he finished, he noticed Emma staring at him.
5: Sure doesn't leave much to the imagination.
3: Yeah, I was just
2: saying. Oliver dropped his hands down in front of his groin. Okay, let's go. I don't need any more crap. The other two started walking, but Oliver gestured quickly with one hand, waving them away from the nearby door. No, let's go to the other stairwell. I'm not walking through all the offices like this. Roger and Emma stopped, and with a couple more insistent waves from Oliver, turned and started walking toward the door on the other side of the garage that led to the front atrium of the city government building. Oliver made sure Roger and Emma walked ahead of him. After a few steps, he asked, It's not that
3: bad, is it? The, uh, tightness, I mean. It makes me uncomfortable,
4: and I'm a pretty open-minded guy.
5: I'm considering it the one perk of the job so far.
4: Hey, give me something to hold on to, at least. Emma, let me carry something. Emma started to look back, but Oliver blurted, No, no, eyes front- He
2: waved at her with one hand, while the other remained strategically placed. Emma turned back to the
4: front with a smile.
5: You could have my purse, but I think that might push things into a different realm of weird.
4: Just give me something to carry, or I'm taking off and you'll have to explain why I'm not here.
5: Okay, okay, relax. Take my briefcase.
4: She said, handing it
3: back without turning around. You might want to make sure he doesn't- Well,
4: hold it too tightly to anything.
5: Yeah, keep a gap.
4: Ah, well, I'm glad to see you two get along. Oliver held the briefcase in front of him. It
2: would do for now, but he knew he definitely had to come up with something to help this situation. He didn't think he could get away with fighting evildoers while carrying a briefcase. They rounded the corner by the other stairwell, but came to a sudden stop because of several people standing in their way. The discussion among that group, a group made up entirely of police officers, stopped abruptly with their appearance. It only took a second for Oliver to realize they weren't regular cops because each of them had lots of extra stripes and gold thingies here and there, indicating they were the bosses. Then he recognized the guy with the most stripes and gold thingies to be the police chief who stepped forward and stood in front of Oliver as Roger and Emma gave ground. Oliver felt compelled to say something.
4: Hello, sir. I'm Oliver Olson, or Super Superguy, o- officially. Oliver
2: held out his gloved hand, but the police chief didn't reach for it. He just stared at Oliver instead. Oliver pulled his hand back and patted the briefcase in front of his groin a couple of times because he didn't know what else to do.
4: Well, I just want to say I look forward to working side by side with you in our fight against crime.
2: He wondered if it sounded as dumb to everyone else as he thought it did. Do you? replied the chief. He was a tall man, just a couple inches shorter than Oliver, with closely cropped white hair. His dark eyes did not hold anything that might possibly be misconstrued as kindness.
4: Well, I don't. And just so I get off on the right foot here and have no misunderstandings, I'll explain some things to you. You're the mayor's pet, not mine. I won't be cleaning up after you. The mayor wants you so he can get re-elected, despite how it makes me and my offices look. Like we can't handle the job ourselves! Let me tell you, we can and we will. There won't be any working side by side at all. You stay out of our way. I don't want to see you or hear about you. Save some kittens from some trees, take some pictures with the mayor, but leave the real work to us. Do we understand each other?
2: Oliver managed to nod slightly.
4: Good. We'll get along great then. I guess we should welcome you to the family.
2: He turned and walked through the door one of the junior officers opened for him, leaving Oliver, Roger, and Emma standing there. The heavy metal door clanged shut behind them.
3: That didn't go so well.
5: He's a bit of a jerk. Of course, if you stick to the kittens and photos as he suggested, I think my life will be easier. So, I think I'm kinda on his side.
3: I didn't really think about it until now, but this is something you see with a lot of heroes in the police. It doesn't really make them look competent if they need a hero, especially in a smallish city, so often there is some...
4: friction. Won't be any friction if he doesn't see or hear me. True. They should have just given me invisibility as a power.
5: You're anything but invisible in that suit. Come on, we're going to be late.
4: Hey, you better watch out, you might be getting close to harassment. I should know, I've watched hours of video on the subject. Seriously? Hours? hours i'm not getting back ever
0: you have been listening to super guy by kurt clopton a faux fiction audio production published by not a pipe publishing look for the sequel to super guy coming this september this recording characters and the situations within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright If you wish to listen to more episodes in advance, search patreon.com, then faux fiction audio, and sign up to be a monthly patron. Or stay tuned until the next week for your free episode. We will see you then. Hi,
1: this is John Bell. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. In my podcast, Bells in the Battery, theebatfry.com and click on gallery. That's g a l l e I think they can figure that out. You'll see all the pictures for all the episodes that were created by Jeff Music along with other guest artists like the Lee Brothers and famous animation director Dan Reba. Oh, he knows one celebrity, and he really wants you to know about it. You'll also see lots of fan art over the years, and a few surprises. So when you're in the mood for a picture instead of a thousand words, especially, especially his, his words, go to thebatfree.com and click on Gallery. And be sure to clean your thumbnails before viewing. Hi, this is John Bell. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. In my podcast, Bells in the Bat Free, I usually surpass a thousand words. Why does he. But for every episode, there is also a picture. You mean the itty bitty picture that you see when you bring up the episode? Yes, that's called a thumbnail. They're drawn on thumbnails? But now you can see all the thumbnail pictures in large format by going to the Bells in the Bat Free Gallery. Art over the years and a few surprises so when you're in the mood for a picture instead of a thousand words especially, especially his, his words go to thebatfree.com and click on gallery and be sure to clean your thumbnails before viewing